Well, I feel sorry for some of you because you're getting a repeat here, or I guess you have to. I'll try to change it around a little bit and make it more interesting. I, um, I don't have an agenda most of the time when I preach, and uh, I've really had to behave myself during this time because Christina likes things organized. And uh, those of you who work with her, can, can I get an amen now? I guarantee it. Yeah, right. And uh, so uh, I've, uh, but she's been very gracious and very flexible, and I appreciate that, Christina. And I want to encourage all of you that do mission. I love mission work myself, and I'll be leaving the 21st for Honduras and be down there for three weeks. And I try to do a couple of projects a year. And one of the things I want to remind you of, that when you go to another country and you work, it is so exciting and so thrilling, and it is life-changing. But when you come back and share, the people that you share with are not nearly as excited as you are because they didn't have that experience. And they want to understand, and they try to understand, but unless you've actually been there and done it, it, it just won't be the same. So don't get disillusioned by the fact that they're not as excited as you are about it because uh, nobody gets that way. I try to tell all the people that go with me on mission trips about that. And some of you need to go. You're, yeah, I know you, some of you are old, but it wouldn't kill you to get out and uh, go. Uh, my dad went with me on his first mission trip when he was 75 years old. He was 75. We went to Haiti. We started an orphanage there. Uh, and uh, it changed his life. I mean, he's been dead now for 10 years. He died at 86, about 11 years later. And his Sunday school class that he came back and shared with still supports that orphanage in Haiti after all these years, and it's thriving, and they have about 150 kids there all the time, educating them and caring for them. And he went, he was, we had, I mean, he was in, not in very good health, but he helped to start, he knew how to build, and we would ride him up on the mountains on an animal, and he'd get up there, and he would show us and teach us how to do these things. And, and so you just make yourself available, and uh, you'd be surprised how God can use you. You think it's for young people or for uh, younger couples or whatever. No, God can use all of us. Moses and Josh, all that crowd, they were 80 years old before they ever got started. So I could preach on excuses this morning, I guess, but I, I'm not going to do that. Because probably one needs to hear it's not even here. <laughs> they made excuses why they couldn't come. So I, I'm not going to go there. Sometimes I change, change messages. I do like to, I, I shared this morning, people are curious, in the case you don't know me, a lot of people here this morning never heard me preach. I've preached at Hope Chapel for two or three times over the years. I think the last time was about four years ago. And uh, I've kept up with this church and followed, of course, because our daughter and son-in-law and grandchildren are really actively involved here. And I'm glad to have Carly out here this morning to listen to me. This is the first time she's ever, so I'll see how she likes my preaching. And if you don't like it, just don't say anything, all right, please? But uh, it's great to have her here today. I am, uh, my name is Dale Riddle. We're from Pilot Mountain, North Carolina. And uh, I am 66 years old, in case you're wondering. I, I know I don't look that old, but I am. I am 66. I weigh 240 pounds. And, uh, I'm, you know, men are not ashamed to tell their age and weight. And, uh, and, you know, I still look pretty good. I really do. Men always think they look good anyway, no matter how fat and ugly they are. But, uh, you know, I eat right and exercise, and this is how I'm able to maintain this wonderful body that you see here this morning. <laughs> I want to share with you a very basic, simple passage this morning, and uh, it's up here on the screen. And, uh, and when I, before I say, you know, are you able to give directions? When somebody asks you for directions, can you give direction? Well, some of you are not, yeah. Um, well, are you able to follow directions? If somebody uh, gives you directions, are you able to follow? You know, preaching is really basically just kind of giving direction. 
And you always need to preach very simply. You know, giving directions, the simpler it is. I'm in a different church almost every week. And I have to depend on pastors to tell me how to get to their church. And some of these are not even on the GPS. I know that's changed a lot now. But used to be I could not find these places without direction. And I used to judge a pastor on whether or not I thought he could preach or not by how he gave directions. I mean, you can laugh about that. But if a man can't tell you how to get to his church, I doubt he's any good at telling you how to get to heaven either. That's the way I feel about it. And so if a man gives sorry directions, I just assume he's a sorry preacher. And... uh and it's interesting, of course, people give directions differently. Uh, men, you know, they're pretty good with n- names. They'll say, oh, you go two miles, you'll see Sterling Avenue or whatever, you turn right. Uh, women, they don't remember names much. They, um, they give you locations. You go down, you'll see this beautiful yellow house with a red rose bush on the left, and you turn there. You know, they like to, they remember signs and symbols and and it's, ne- it's always important never to assume that people know the directions just because you know them. I remember one morning I was in North Wilkesboro trying to find the church, and it was already 1130, and I was lost. The preacher had given me terrible directions. I couldn't find it, and I knew he was in anxious, and I was supposed to start preaching. And I saw this lady walking down the street. I pulled over immediately. I was in a hurry. I said, ma'am, I'm, try- I'm lost here. I'm trying to find this church. Can you tell me where it is? Oh, yes, sir. It's easy. I said, well, good. Tell me. Okay, he said, you just go straight ahead, and when you get to the last stoplight, you turn right. I said, thank you, thank you, and I took off, and I got about a half a mile, and I said, how am I supposed to know where the last stoplight is? I mean, <laughs> what, I haven't seen one in an hour or so? She assumed that I knew where the last stoplight was at. I didn't have a clue. So even though she knew where it was at, she's trying to tell me her directions were not very good. And all I'm saying, when we share things with people, don't assume that they understand what you're talking about. I mean, use language that they can understand. And that's why I like this little simple passage, because it just basically says what it says. What does God want of us, and how are we to relate to God, and how do we experience it? I think this passage pretty much summarizes it all. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, it says here, submit to him, or in the old authorized version, it says acknowledge him, and he shall make your path straight, or again, he shall direct your path. So let's think about that just a moment. Trust in the Lord. What does God want us to do? He wants us to trust in him. Now, we have a problem here right off the bat, because I want to tell you, most people really don't understand that difference between believing in something and trusting in something. You think it's the same. Yeah, I believe it says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Just believe. Well, that may make sense to you, but it certainly is not scriptural. And, of course, the Bible is very descriptive. And if you could read the Greek language, if you could understand some of the other stuff it was written in, the Greek and the Hebrew, you would understand that word means not just intellectual assent, not just believing with your mind, but total dependence upon, total trust in, total commitment. And so that's what it means, is to trust in the Lord. And there are all kind of analogies you can use. This morning I used the <coughs> analogy of how wonderful children are in trusting. I used the analogy of an airplane. I thought, since we got the young people here, this, I heard this one years ago. One of the best examples of trust and the difference between believing and trusting in something. If you want to check it out, you can look at it. It's in the Guinness Book of Records. There was a famous aerialist. His name was Blondin. And back in the uh, 18th century or so, late 1800s, 
Blondin was putting on an exhibition at Niagara Falls. He was a tight wire aerialist, you know, one of these that walked with the poles and all this stuff, and they'd strung a wire across Niagara Falls. And you can actually go and see some pictures of it if you think I'm making this up. I'm not. It's true. And, uh, and so he, this exhibition went on for several months, and Blondin kept pushing the issue a little bit to make it more interesting, you know, so people would keep coming. It kept, word kept getting out, and, and people were arriving with the thousands to watch this man put on. It started out with the balancing pole, then he, he walked across with just a chair, and then later he goes out and he sits on the chair and balances, and, and he just keeps pushing the envelope, pushing the envelope. And finally he goes out with a little portable stove and balances himself and cooks himself a sandwich and eats it, all out here balanced on this cotton-picking tight wire across Niagara Falls. Later on, he carries someone even across on his back. And then later in the exhibition, they say he takes this wheelbarrow. Now, you know what a wheelbarrow is, I assume. It's just the one thing with two handles on it where you roll stuff. And so it's very awkward, and so Blondin begins to roll this uh, wheelbarrow across, you know, balancing the wheelbarrow and balancing himself. Very awkward. Nobody thought he could be. He kept doing it, kept doing it. Finally, he loads several hundred pounds of rocks <laughs> in the wheelbarrow. He said, all right, I'm going to do it this way. And he balances all of that weight. Takes it, if it's just, everybody is just aghast. This man is able to do all this stuff. Finally, it's the close of his thing. He looks at the people and says, look, I'm going to do this one more time, just one more time, just for closing out. How many of you believe I can do it again? Everybody lifted. Yeah, man, we've seen you do it every which way, every which way I manage. You really believe I can do it? You believe Put your hand, anybody here believe I can't do it? Nobody lifted their hand. Nobody lifted their hands. And Blondin said, all right, since you believe all this, nobody you doubt me, which one of you in this congregation, this audience, will come and ride in the wheelbarrow? And you know what? Not one volunteer would come. Oh, they all believed he could do it, but they weren't about to put their life in his hands, to trust him with their lives. And folks, the difference between believing in something and trusting in something is committing your life to it. Getting inside that wheelbarrow and allowing Christ literally to take you of what you can never do on your own. So do you know the difference between believing and trusting? The devil believes in God, it says, and trembles. So you say, well, I'm a believer. Great, you're up with the devil. Congratulations. Not just believing. Trust in the Lord. With what? With all your heart. What does that mean? It means everything that you represent, all that you are, all of you. God doesn't want part of you. He wants all of you. And I love that. I used the analogy this morning. It's, it's like a marriage. There's nothing more special to me than marriage. I know not all marriages work out, and, uh, and there's problems sometimes. But I've been blessed uh, with, a, with a wonderful marriage. And the Bible says that our relationship to Christ is kind of like he is the bridegroom, and we're the bride of Christ. And what we do when we trust in the Lord is we commit our life to him. We commit our whole being, our whole soul, everything that we are. Our talents, our gifts, our times, our love, whatever it represents, we commit it all to Him. And if you're here and married this morning and you've made that commitment, you know that your spouse, whether it's husband or wife, expects all of you, not just part of you. You're not doing too good, are you? But that's what they expect. That's really what they expect. They, they want all of you, just as God wants all of you. And none of us are very good at yielding all of ourselves, to them, but that should be our purpose. To trust in God with all of our heart, with all of our being. As I mentioned, I've been married, I think I mentioned, I've been married 46 years this June. And uh, my wife and I were childhood sweethearts. I started going with her when I was like 15 and she was 13 or something. And her parents tried to keep me run off uh, from the house, but, you know, I would sneak over there. And, and uh, we weren't allowed to go out 
public very much, not until she got a little bit older. And so we had to, they had a room back there that they allowed us to sit in. And they kept close watch on us, you know. But we were childhood sweethearts. And uh, when I was uh, 16 years old, I, I graduated from high school right after I turned 17. When I was 16 years old and a senior in high school, I joined up with this rock and roll band. And I played in this band for eight years until I was 24 years of age. But I'd fallen in love with Gilda, my wife. And uh, I think I was about 16 when it hit me that I really wanted. And, uh, and I just knew she was God's person for me. And it took me a while to convince her, but I, I, I knew I really was. And so when I was uh, 19 years old, she was still 17 years old. It was in December of 1964. I bought her a ring and asked if she'd marry me. And she smiled and said, yes, yes, I will. And, uh, and I do want to encourage you guys, and this is not, you know, try to get them when they're young and, uh, and not real smart yet, you know, <laughs> uh, because they will wise up eventually. <laughs> I don't believe I could have ever landed this woman had I waited too much longer. No, I don't know that, but I just that's, that's how it worked for me anyway. But I asked her if she'd marry me, and she said she would, and we went in and announced our engagements to her mom and dad, and, and they were not nearly as happy as we were. I can promise you that. But there was nothing they could do because she was going to be 18, and I was going to be 20. So we set a date, June 19, 1965. We were going to get married. And I was excited about it. I really loved her. We'd been together now many years. And <clears throat> excuse me. And so that the day it happened it was a Saturday. And uh, and all of a sudden, I got up that morning on Saturday morning and realized this woman is going to expect me to commit my whole life to her. Up until this time, I've been out here playing and doing anything I wanted to, and flirting around and going with others. And now she's going to expect me to just be with her. And change my whole life. I mean, I'm going to have to come in. And I tell you, when I got to thinking about that, I said, am I really ready for this? Can I do this? Am I going to be capable of trusting myself totally and completely to just one person? And I remember coming out to my mom and I said, mom, she said, what's the matter with you? So I said, this is really serious what I'm doing today, isn't it? <laughs> and she looked at me and says, good Lord, son, surely you've thought about this before now. And I said, I know it, Mama. I have. I've been thinking about it for years. But today's the day. It's different than saying it and talking about it and thinking about it. Doing it is a whole other thing. Well, you going to do it? I said, yeah, I'm going to do it. But boy, I'm nervous. And I was. And I'll show you how nervous I was on the way to church. They stopped twice to let me throw up on the side of the road. <laughs> now, that was pitiful. And I was used to performing in front of huge crowds. And nothing bothered me. I was never nervous. But that was the most traumatic day of my life. Because I realized the depth of what this woman was going to expect of me. And I remember going back into the pastor and my dad to the broom room. And, uh, and the preacher looked at me and said, Dale, you look awful. I said, yeah, I know. I threw up twice coming over here. He says, are you sick? I said, no, I, I, this is just really serious what I'm doing today. He said, yes, it's serious. You're not going to back out, are you? And I said, no, I'm going to do it. Man, I didn't just hadn't thought about this enough. And I remember walking out there. They played the music and I marched out and... I was standing there, my pants, legs shaking, sweat pouring off of me, and I was thinking, oh, God, what have I done? And here comes my beautiful bride on the arm of her father, and she has this, she's always, you know her, she's just got this gigantic smile, and she's always like that, and, and there was just such a peace about her, and I, I thought, oh, thank God, I believe she knows what she's doing anyway. <laughs> that gave me kind of a calmness, and we stood there. Forty-six years ago, when we'd made our vows to each other, we committed our lives to one another. 
And I've never regretted that. That's been one of the best, one of the best experiences and probably the greatest experience I've ever had in my life. And, uh, and that's what it's like when you make a commitment to Christ. You trust Him. You commit your life to Him with all your heart, just like a marriage. And 46 years later, my wife still holds me to every cotton-picking vow. She has not let up at all. Well, are you laughing? Is yours, yours let up? No, that's right. In fact, I think it gets worse. You know, marriages go through transitions anyway. You have to, if you're not aware of that, if you think it's always going to be just like you're hunting, you hunt me, then you really need counseling. <laughs> because, you know, you go through changes. Women change. And men change too. And, and then you have to readjust your relationships. And I've been married four to six years and I'm still trying to work it out. But uh, she still holds me to everything that I made. And I, do, I think it's great. It's, I still hold her to the same thing. And it's like that with God. God holds us accountable. When we make that commitment to him, he wants it all, not just piecemeal. How many of my vows in my marriage would I have to break before I'd have a problem? Just one, that'd do. You don't have to break them all. Just say, I'm going to be with her in sickness and in health. I'm going to be with her till death do us part. I'm going to stay with her and provide for her and care for her. I'm going to do everything I promised 46 years ago except be faithful. That, that's dumb. I mean, I've had 46 years of experience. And there's a lot of lonely women out here in the world. And they could use my expertise. And I know that if Gilda would just give me a little slack and, and, and I could help these women and comfort them. And hey, you're laughing. Yeah, you know, this is not going to work. Why? That wasn't the deal. I was to be only for her. And you know what? It's the same thing with God. When you start messing up in your relationship to God, when you start shutting him out and doing things that you know you've made a commitment not to do, it disrupts the relationship. That's why we need renewing constantly. That's why after 46 years, we still tell each other every day we love each other. Isn't that the dumbest thing you've ever seen? 46 years and we still tell each other we love each other. Surely we have figured it out by now. No, we need that affirmation, don't we? Even though we know it. And so that's why we need to keep affirming to God that we love him, that we want to walk with him. I fail as a husband. I'm still not the perfect person. And I fail as a Christian because I'm still not the perfect Christian. But I want to be. I want to trust in the Lord with all of my heart. Third thing is lean not to your own understanding. In other words, quit trying to figure it out. Good grief. You're never going to figure it out. A lot of people are going to die and be separated from God because they just can't figure it out. You're never going to figure it out. It's a mystery. <laughs> I don't know why. Surely God could have come up with a better plan than he gave us. I mean, have you ever thought about this? God himself becoming a man, coming out here and letting people kill him? I believe I could have come up with something easier than that. But I'm not God. I don't know why he did that. I've been preaching all my life. It still makes no sense to me. But so what? I hadn't even figured out why my wife loves me yet. I don't even know how that works. What, you do? You don't know either. Why did he decide to settle down with you or to she with you? You don't look so lovable to me. <laughs> Commit her life to you or your life. I mean, it makes no sense. I look at some of you, you look like you're all messed up. You couldn't have made the right choice. But, hey, we did. And so I don't understand it. I, there's so much of the world I don't understand. And I told our youth today that it's all this modern technology. I mean, it just drives me nuts. And I don't know how any of it works. I used When I was growing up, I used to work on my car. I kind of knew how they worked. Now, I don't have a clue how the thing works. I mean, it's all computerized. And I've worked on my computer, and I hate the thing. But I have to use it, and it, it, it irritates me. I was typing on... Many years ago, and it says, You've made a, you have made a critical error. I said, critical? That's really serious, isn't it? <laughs> talking, I mean, the thing's like he's talking to me. It says, shut me down immediately. 
made me mad. I paid a whole lot of money. And I said, I'll shut you down when I get good and ready. You're not telling me what to do. I paid good money for you. And I just punched the button and it blew up. It's like it said it. Thank goodness they're a little better now. I don't know how any of this stuff. Cell phones, that makes absolutely no sense to me. And I know, you think you know how, but I guarantee if the technology disappeared and something happened to the world and all this, and not one of us in here could fix anything. We'd all be like we were 150 years ago. <laughs> I, can't, I don't know anything about it. I don't even know how television works. Watched it all my life. And you do. You don't know. You know the principles behind it. You know the stuff. You don't really know. I could bring you all the parts in a box. You'd just have to sit there. You don't know anything about it. So don't try to figure it out. Folks, if you can't even figure out the simple technology that's around us today and you accept that, quit trying to figure out God. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. You are never, ever going to understand it. That's why they call it faith. It's not based on knowledge. You're never going to be smart, smart enough to understand God. If you were that smart, then you wouldn't need God. And so get over it. Don't allow yourself to miss out on the blessings and the joy of life because you don't understand it. I'm not going to sit around and say, I'm not going to have anything else to do with my wife till I understand why she loves me. If I do that, I'll never have anything to do with her, because I don't understand that. In all your ways, submit to him, or acknowledge him, and I'll close with these thoughts. I don't have time to embellish this anymore. God wants us just to give him glory and praise. That's our whole purpose. If you get anything out of what I said this morning, if you get anything out of what the music group shared, you know, give God the glory and the praise for it, because we're all at his beck and call. The air that you breathe, this earth upon which you live, the life that you enjoy, it's all provided by God. God created everything. Everything is the Lord's in the fullness thereof. All things were made by Him. and Without Him, not anything made that was made. And so it all belongs to the original owner. And so just give Him the glory. I'm glad that I'm here and that I can know and understand that God loves me, but it's beyond my comprehension. Such love. Jesus says, my... I take things that men considered wise and make it foolish. And I take foolishness and make it wisdom. <laughs> That's why it always messes up the intellectuals. It can't be that simple. Oh, yes, it can. Well, I've got to figure it out. Too bad. You're never going to. Well, what happens? Then he will, I like the term, he will direct your paths. It says he'll make your paths straight. Paths are not always straight. <laughs> and I've had some crooked paths myself. And I've had some uphills and downhills and all around. But the good thing is he will direct you through the valleys, through the mountains, through the crooks and the valleys. And so let him direct you. And how are you getting directed by God? When you trust him with all your heart and you quit trying to figure it all out, just begin to give him the glory and the praise he deserves. Guess what will happen? You're close enough to him now you can get his direction. And he'll guide you and he'll help you. I'm proud of this church and what it's doing for the cause of God. But all of us need that closer walk with him sometimes. And I hope you can understand this very simple yet profound passage. What does God want of you and me today? Trust Him. With what? Everything. All you are. I don't understand it, so what? I don't either. But what am I supposed to do? Acknowledge Him. Give Him glory. And what will happen? He'll direct your path. Let's pray together. If God is speaking to you this morning, it's now your opportunity to there with your head bowed and your eyes closed to make whatever commitment you'd like to make. If you're here and you're not a Christian, you've never asked Christ to come into your heart and life. Right now, you can pray to receive Christ. Just say, Lord, I know that I have sinned, but I want to trust my life to you. I want to give you all I am. And though I don't understand it, 
as best I can, I'm going to give you the praise and the glory, and, and I'm, I'm going to let you lead me. I commit my life to you. If you can just pray that little prayer and mean it, that's all there is to it. And at the close of this service, maybe you want to just share, fill out a card, or come and pray with someone. We'd be glad to do that. But if you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, you've never made that commitment, do it today. If you are a Christian, just enjoy the relationship and quit trying to figure it all out. It's great to study and to learn and to grow and to share, but... Man, no matter how much you share, the more mystery it becomes. Maybe God's leading you to become a part of this fellowship here at Hope Chapel. There may be any number of needs. This is your time. Now, quietly, in these moments, just ask God what he would have you do and do it. Father, thank you for the simplicity of your word. That you've made it so simple, even a child can understand it. Except you've t in fact, you've told us that except we become as a little child, we really can't enter the kingdom of heaven. Because it's that childlike trust and faith that allows us to step over into the mystery of your love and mercy and grace. And so, Lord, we just trust your Holy Spirit to do even now, right in the hearts of the people here, what only you can do. Thank you for this opportunity, and I ask you to continue to be with Neil and those working in, over in South Africa. And I thank you for these young people who just got back and shared their heart. What a joy it is to express our love to you, to acknowledge you. Thank you, and we offer our prayer and thanks in Christ's name. Amen.